Hello and welcome. It's Friday, July the 8th, and it's David here, co-founder and managing partner of Agricultural Economic Insights. And I wanted to share three ideas this week that we've been writing about, we've been thinking about, and of course, will help you as a decision maker in agriculture, as a producer or a lender or input supplier or anybody else in the supply chain, help you all make better decisions. And, you know, it goes without saying, there's just a lot of uncertainty out there. A great deal of that uncertainty comes from outside of traditional ag markets. We're talking about Ukraine, talking about sanctions against Russia. We're talking about global trade. We're thinking about the U.S. economy, maybe slowing down, but also maybe a global slowdown as well. So in light of all of this, of course, we're sharing our latest ideas and, you know, going to put up a few things that we've been thinking about this week. Encourage you to go check out the latest content on the website. But, you know, here is kind of a quick overview for those listening to the podcast, watching the video, or reading the transcript of this conversation. First thing I want to kick off by talking about is, you know, the terms around farm debt. We're going to follow up on the article about this, but, you know, there have been two trends to keep in mind when it comes to farm finances. One of them is interest rates, which have trended lower, which makes it easier to service, you know, a given level of debt because there's less interest expense. But the other component here that's often overlooked are repayment terms. And those have trended higher. So if you think about, you know, the repayment terms, uh, maybe going on a piece of farm machine, you're going from 24 months to 48 months. It's not quite the same math, but you take those principal payments and you just spread them out. So it really reduces the debt load. And so what we did this week, this is a metric that we update regularly. We talk about it about once a year, but it's the Farm Machinery Debt Service Index. And the idea here is how much does it take to repay $1,000 of farm machinery debt? So this is an index. You could scale it up. If you look at this metric in the 80s, it spent quite a bit of time above $1,000. So if you're going to maintain $1,000 worth of farm machinery debt for the entire year, you'd end up paying more than $1,600 back. How does this happen? Well, high interest rates, double-digit interest rates on farm machinery loans, but also quick repayment terms. About eight months was the average farm machinery loan that banks were issuing back in 1982. So it's a little bit of a theoretical comp calculation here, but this idea of like, oh, if you're going to maintain $1,000 of farm debt for the year, you're going to have to pay a lot more because you're going to pay off that first $1,000 off in the first eight months. Then you're going to pay off you know, another $1,000 right after that. So pretty aggressive payment returns. But let's talk about you know, in the late 80s, you know, this metric spent time between six and $800 throughout the the late 90s and early 2000s, it spent some time around $600 a year in annual expenses. Now, it got as low as $400 back in 1994 and as high as 820 bucks in the mid-2000s. But after the mid-2000s, it took a big step lower, lower interest rates, longer repayment terms. It fell below $400 again. And in fact, we haven't been above $400, which used to be the low point prior to 2010. We haven't been above $400 really in the last decade. And so this has really gotten lower. We look at it on an annual basis. We also look at it with the quarterly data. And we've spent several quarters over the last two years below $300. And so just a really low, really favorable repayment scenario for, you know, every thousand dollars of debt. Now it takes a lot longer time to pay off this loan, but in general, when we think about just borrowing money, what's the size of those payments? Those payments are going to be pretty small in this environment. 
One of the things that also we dove into a little bit is the index jumped on an annual basis from $287 in 2020 to 305 at the end of 2021. And it's like, okay, what's going on here? Interest rates actually fell. The repayment terms you know, went from 46.7 months to 43.1 months. So it's got us wondering about which factor had been a, a more dominant force. And what we looked at is actually the repayment terms have been a bigger issue. And so when we think about lowering debt annual burden, it's really been this longer repayment periods. And we took a look at this specifically from 2000 to 2021. There's been about a $300 decline. So those payments went from $600 to $300. $40 of it was from low interest rates or 13%. And you know another 87% or another $267 was because of longer payment terms. So if you're thinking about it, in 2000, the interest rates were 9.8%. And we're paying that back over 22.4 months. Today, we have 4.8% rates in 41 months. So that's a big change in the debt market. So, you know, looking ahead, you know, think about this just a little bit. Think about how this might play out and think about the potential implications of this moving forward. The next thing I want to talk briefly about family living expenses, these turn sharply higher. There's a big article here that we wrote about, but they turn sharply higher, about 14% higher. And the Kansas Farm Management Association data, this is the data set that we look at over several years. You know, Illinois data isn't available yet, but some data at the University of Minnesota, the FinBen, was up about 15%. So we've seen a big upturn. One of the things to keep in mind is that this expense increased annually by about 4% going back to the 2000s. But as you can see, a big chunk of that history, the last 10 years, a lot of sideways movement. So what causes family living expense to change? Well, there's a component of it associated with broad inflation in the economy, which has been a big issue. Another component here is farm profitability. When farm income is strong, there's a little bit of residual impact here. How much is there for the family? How much profits are there for the family to live off of once we meet all of our variable cost obligations, our fixed cost obligations, our debt obligations? So in profitable times in agriculture, there's typically a few more profits. So we might make some investments in the house. We might go on a bigger vacation. We might adjust our lifestyle, our standard of living just a little bit. And then of course, when times get lean, we see the proverbial belt get tightened. And we saw, of course, you know, in 2014, we saw a contraction in family living expense that lasted several years. So we have this expansion of family living expense and just want to tee this up as just another cost category that's been increasing in the farm sector for farm families. And it's something to you know keep in mind. The third idea that I wanted to mention here, you know, there's a saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I traced that back the other day and it came from the Greek physician uh, Hippocrates. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's the same Hippocrates who came up with the Hippocratic Oath. And so the full statement likely dates, again, likely is attributed to him. And the quote is, for extreme diseases, extreme methods for, of cure, such as restriction, are most suitable. And I think there's just a little bit of a disconnect between what Hippocrates was advocating for and how we've sort of, you know, adjusted that to meet uh, in, in general. Generally, when I hear folks using the term desperate times call for desperate measures, it's kind of this idea of like 
let's do something big. Let's do something bold. Let's do something a little bit reckless. Let's shoot first, aim second. You know, let's not get caught up in the due diligence of this. Let's just, you know, barrel forward and, you know, at all costs, let's scale this. But I think if we think about, you know, the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. The summary of that, you know, it's way more complex than that, but it's often summarized to do no harm. And we go back to the original quote for extreme diseases, extreme methods of cures as to restriction are most suitable. Extreme desperate times call for desperate measures. I think it's really, the phrase is more about being a precise laser strike. You know, desperate times call for bold, well thought out, decisive measures. So don't let desperate times limit the options that you're going to pursue. You should still use the diligence. You should still use evaluative processes, but don't get narrow focused in desperate times. Be willing to think outside the box, be willing to pursue unorthodox approaches, or you know, don't just kind of do the same old, same old, but don't put off to the side that due diligence process. I think just wanted to share that idea. We wrote about it as an idea that makes us better a few weeks ago. Something for you just to file in the back here thinking and keep in mind. So as we wrap this week up, of course, remember that July the 12th, next Tuesday, is the next USDA acreage report. We have an article ahead of the report article. Interestingly, pessimism in corn yields is moderated. Expectations about soybean yields might be drifting slightly higher over the last few weeks. We have two questions that will get resolved in the July WASI report, and we'll add two additional questions, of course, after the report as we think about the August WASI headed down the pipeline. Of course, August, September, October, November, those will be, those five months will be a lot of uh, adjustments in the expectations as the USDA really starts to dial in. Well, first, as the crop starts to become quantifiable, right? As we start to literally see the crop reach the reproductive stage and we start seeing the grain fill. And as the USDA really starts to dial in those expectations. That's all for this week. Encourage you all to update your forecasts for the yield forecast challenge, but also update your forecasts around those commodity price expectations. A lot of movement in the commodity prices. We got within 10 cents of the December corn contract falling below 550 last week or 15 cents, excuse me. So update those forecasts, those expectations. And until next time, stay curious.